Thanks, Tim, and thanks uh, to the band. And if you do want to walk around while I'm speaking, feel free, you know, just, uh, just do what, what you want. Um, throughout history, there's, there's a lot of people who um, were famous for doing things, you know, just a, a list, list of people, I'll... You know, I'll just read out the names and you'll know, you'll probably know what, what they're famous for, you don't need to tell me, but Albert Einstein, well, he was famous for being clever, but William Wilberforce, Nelson Mandela, Marie Curie, Martin Luther King, William Shakespeare, Mother Teresa, and uh, if you live in Barnsley, then you've got to know Joseph Ramirez, haven't you? It's uh, not just, not just a, a pub, not just with a spoons, but well, fa- fa- famous for inventing the, the flush toilet. So, and that's something that we're all thankful for, isn't it, I'm sure. It's, uh, where would we be without him? But uh, hopefully you all, uh, all know your Bibles well. And uh, so I'm just going to give a list of people uh, from the Bible. I want you to, if, if you know who they are, then, then just, just don't, don't shout it out. Don't give the game away. But just put your hand up if you know who these people are. Um, I, should, I should have learned how to pronounce them, but... Uh, <laughs> And I, need, I need to get my glasses on to see him as well. Shamua, Shafat, Igel, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, Sethua, Nabi, and Guel. The trick is, the trick is you've got to pretend that you know how to say it, but I, I, I can't bluff it, you know, so I, I just... Neil, Neil, no, Neil knows who they are. Anybody else know, know who they are? Right. So there's uh, another sh- a shorter group of people. Uh, if you know who these are, then, then just, just put your hand up. Joshua and Caleb. Who, who's, who's heard of them? So there's a lot, lot more people have heard of the second group of people, a small group of people. The, the first group of people... You've probably read it, you know, if you've, if you're in, you've read the names many times, but the names have not stuck out to you. But as, uh, you know, as, as someone you knew, then the first group of people, the people who we, who we largely forget, they were the group when uh, Moses sent into, into, the, into the land of Canaan, he sent them out to, to look at the land, to spy out the land, uh, to see uh, the land that God had given them. And they were the group of people who didn't have the faith to believe that what God had given to the people that they could take. Joshua and Caleb, on the other hand, they believed and they trusted in God and they said, we can do what God has given us. We can, we can take hold of it. So these, these group of people, this first group of people, they're forgotten. They're forgotten for, for what? That even though the names are written down, people don't remember the names because what they did, it, it was unmemorable. They weren't didn't do anything memorable. They just had disbelief, really. So a little bit of background into the situation. God's people, the Israelites, had been uh, in captivity for many years. They'd been uh, in, in Egypt. And so Pharaoh, who was uh, obviously the leader in Egypt, had put them un, under slavery because he was, felt threatened by them. And so uh, uh, under Moses, God, God led out his people uh, out of, of slavery, and now he gave them the promised land. They were going to go into this, this land of promise that God had given to them. And uh, he, he, made, he made this promise that this, this land was for them. We're going to read from, from the book of Numbers. Let's read a few verses. Um, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 3, and then we're going to read a bit further on in the chapter. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Send, send me some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So, the Lord's com- so, so at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. Then moving on to verse 21. And they went up and explored the land. And they went through, and there's a big list of names. I'm going to move on to verse 23. When they reached the valley of, of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried on a, it on a pole between them, 
and along with some pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshcol because the cluster of grapes, because of the cluster of grapes, the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the old Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent to send us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. And Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. I need to be careful. I'm picking the readings. I've only got myself to blame when I've got a big list of names here so that I can't pronounce. But God, uh, you know, God had said to his people, this is the land, this is the land I am giving to you. It is yours for the taking. You need to, all you need to do is to go, go forward and take hold of it. It said in verse, verses 1 and 2, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And so this land was theirs. But the, the, these, these 12 people who went out, uh, they were sent out to, to, to explore the land, to, to see what the land was like. Sometimes they're called spies, not, not in the James Bond sense, but that they were just out to explore the land and they were going to report back what it was like. And just uh, as these 12 people went, went into the land, they discovered that just as God had said, just as God had promised, it was a fertile land. It was a very good land, a land that, that was good. A land, as, as I said, a land flowing with milk and honey. That, that's a picture language for, that means a fertile land. It means a land that basically with lots of good things on it. They brought back a single bunch of grapes. Now, this is not the bunch of grapes that you, you fetch from Tesco. You know, I, I, I like, you know, I like the, a, a big, big grapes, but these were big grapes. You know, it took two men to carry them on, on a pole. They brought back pomegranates, and they brought back figs. Now, I don't like to contradict any of the teaching that goes out from Hope House, but unfortunately, Paul has given a bit of a false, false teaching. I'm, I've, got to, I've got to admit that <laughs> late, lately, lately on Facebook, he's been denigrating uh, the fig biscuit. Is it? I'll take it back. I'll take it back. Is it? Is that, well, whoever it is. Uh, they've been, they've been, been, been denigrating a fig biscuit. Uh, and uh, as, as, as we can see from this reading, you know, figs, and therefore fig biscuits are good. You know, so they should be, they should be a part of the church. You know, the, uh, and, so, and so I think there needs to be a bit of repentance for the... Uh, for the uh, for this, this uh, fig biscuit situation. But that, uh, that, that, that's by the, by the by. But, uh, you know, they, they brought back these good things from the promised land that, uh, that, that showed and that demonstrated how good it was what God, what God was giving to them. So what could go wrong? God had promised them this land. God had said, this is yours for, for the taking. They went and looked into this land and the land that they showed, it, it was a good land. God had kept his promise many times. God had kept his promise that he was going to deliver his people from Israel. And he said that, and he kept his promise. God kept, had kept his promise all along about so many things. And now they got to this point, and the promise is repeated again that is going to give them this good and fertile land, a land flowing with milk and honey. However, although the, ten, the 12 of them agreed that this was a good land, 10 of the people came back with a report of the land saying, 
there are problems with this land. There are um, challenges ahead. You ever meet some people who, who always look on the, on the negative side? However good things are, they always have something negative to look at. They always have something negative to bring from it. Well, this is, this is all like the, the, the ten. It says in these verses, Moses gave this account, uh, went into the land. They gave Moses this account, sorry. Went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. So this says, yes, it's a good land. It's a, it's a fertile land. But the people who live there, they are powerful. They are too much for us. They didn't have the faith to believe that God was going to keep his promises. They looked at the problems and they saw, and well, they, they believed that the problems were bigger than God. They thought that the challenges that lay ahead were too much for God to deal with. That's, that's in essence what they were saying. Even though God had been faithful uh, throughout all, all the time, all the times that they kind of looked back uh, in the past, they believed that God wasn't going to uh, see them through this one. However, out of, the, out of the 12, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they had the faith to believe and they trusted that God could deliver the people into that land. They believed God because God had said it. They, they trusted in him. It says in, in verse 30, it says, But Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All, all the people we saw are of great size. The crowd of Israelites, they listened to the ten. They listened to the ten people. The ten who says, this is too much, this is too hard, this is too difficult. The problems are too much for us. We cannot take this land. So the Israelites, they listened to the, the ten. They believed the bad report that they brought back from the land of Canaan. Joshua and Caleb, however, they continued to encourage the people and they, and they tried to encourage them to, to take hold of what God had given them, to take hold of the possession. It was the good land. They encouraged the people to believe that. Believe that it's not only good, but God has given it into our hands. God has given it to us. Actually, when you look at the, 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 the stories, the accounts, uh, all 12 of them agreed uh, the, the, the land was good. Everyone was agreed in that. But it's just the ten deny, didn't deny the goodness of the land, but they did look at the challenges that taking the land would entail, and that became their focus. The problems were too great. The giants in the land were too big. They are too strong, and we are too weak. That was their uh, assessment. We cannot take this land and they took the focus away from God and they stopped looking at God and they looked at the problems instead. Joshua and Caleb still saw the goodness of the land that God had promised them. And they also didn't deny the challenges that there were ahead of them. But yet, they believed that God was bigger than the problems. We should go up and at once and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. That's what they said. So what is the difference between this, this, uh, these two groups of people? The first group looked at the situation that they faced, and they liked the land, but they were overwhelmed by the difficulties that they faced. They were overcome. They let the, the difficulties uh, distract them. Joshua and Caleb saw the goodness of the land, and they didn't deny the challenge. They didn't uh, pretend that they didn't exist, but they believed that God was bigger than that. They believed that God was able. They believed that God could deliver them into what he had promised. God was going to keep his promises. That's what they believed. But as we said, the people listened to the, the ten rather than the two. And if we listen to unbelief, 
And it can be contagious. You know, if, we, if we focus on that, if we focus on, on doubt, if we focus on um, the, the things that, that would, would turn us away from God, if we, if we focus on the, on the things that, that are, uh, are difficult and hard, uh, then that becomes our focus. But if we, if we focus on, on faith, if we focus on God, if we focus on Jesus, then that's contagious as well. And it can be contagious to one another when we spur one another on, we encourage one another, then it's contagious. And so the way we are, the way we act towards each other, then it, it, it rubs off on it and, and it's contagious. Whether we're negative, whether we have that, that negative outlook and that an outlook that, that lacks faith, or we have that outlook that has a belief that God is able to do what he promises. Often uh, when, when, I, when I'm getting ready to preach, when I'm getting ready to speak, uh, somebody speaks a week before, and they say what I'm going to say in the, in the following week, and that's what happened last week. You know, Paul, he, uh, he said a lot of what I was preparing to say, and it's usually, usually Joe, she usually nicks me sermon, you know, but... Um, Hopefully it's because, and well, I believe it is because God has got something to say and he wants to, uh, to, to, to re- reinforce it. He wants to say uh, the, the, the same thing and because, because sometimes we don't listen and we need to take it on board. And, you know, and what Paul mentioned last week about, you know, just because we, we follow Christ, just because we trust in Christ, doesn't mean that we're problem-free. It doesn't mean that uh, when we trust in him, that all those problems will disappear. Wouldn't it be nice if that, if that happened? Wouldn't it be nice if when we received Jesus, if that was a path to, uh, to, to not having any problems? But it's not. I made a comment recently to someone that, uh, I made it online, that um, I've followed Jesus for a number of years. And, uh, and he has never let me down. We sing it in one of the songs, don't we? We sing, he's never let me down. I said, and I made that comment that he has never let me down. And they made the comment back to me that says, well, that's, that's all very nice for you, but have you ever stopped to consider why he let so many other people down? And that was, that was, that was a, a fair question. Because um, that's, that's really what was, that this person's experience was, that, that they believed, but that they weren't a believer. But I, I, I replied, I told them, well, when I say that, I don't mean that when I trust in Jesus, that it gives me... Uh, uh, or anybody, a pass to, to, to not having any problems. I, I, that's not what I mean. As, as a Christian, you may well face, the, and we will face the same challenges, the same difficulties, the same trials that a non-believer will face. And we don't, we're not immune to any of that. We're not immune to, to difficulty, we're not immune to heartache, we're not immune to, uh, to even tragedy at times. But what we, what we have and what we have kind of firm is that God is with us through whatever we face. God doesn't let us go. God doesn't abandon us, but he walks with us and he holds us and he, and he holds us up throughout whatever we face. And so I can affirm that he has never let me down. That doesn't mean that he's, uh, he's delivered me in, in the sense that he's taken away all the difficulties. It doesn't mean that he's taken away all the, all the hard things because that's not what it means. It means that when I've trusted in him, he has walked with me, he has gone with me, and he's equipped me to face the challenges that, that I face. And, and he will do that if, if we trust in him. We never get that promise that, that he will take away the difficulties. We get the promise that he's going to sustain us, and that he's going to equip us, and that he's going to strengthen us through whatever we face, whatever that is. We can follow the path that Jesus takes us on with confidence. He will not leave us and he will not fail us and he won't let us down. Sometimes the temptation can be when we go through the hard times, when we go through the difficult times to think, where's God in this? He's disappeared. You know, I, I, I was walking with him and now I'm going through these challenges and, and where is God in it all? But God is still there. And as, as we heard, as we were saying last week, God doesn't give us a pass to a problem-free existence. When we face troubles, it doesn't mean that God has failed us or that he's no longer with us. It's all part of life. We go, we go through that in life, and we face that in life sometimes. As Christians, we face uh, facing difficulties and, and problems isn't a sign that our, our faith is weak or that, that we've, we've done something wrong. 
the Israelites saw that the problems that they were ahead of them. That is not the thing that they got wrong. They weren't condemned for seeing the problems ahead of them. What they got wrong was thinking that God wasn't able to deliver them from their problems. So it's not wrong to, to, to look into, into uh, the, the, the path ahead and to see the problems and to see the challenges and sometimes even to be intimidated by the, the challenges that we face and to think, how are we going to face this? But, but when we do that, we need to remember and we need to draw on, on God. We need to draw on, on Jesus, draw on his strength. And that's, uh, that's where they got it wrong. Not that, they did, not that they saw the problems, but they thought that God wasn't big enough to deliver them from the problems. God had been so faithful in the past. God had blessed them so much in the past. And so often when, when they faced a new challenge, then they, they thought, where is he? And we can be like that sometimes. We can, we can give testimonies to what God has done in the past. We can be so thankful and say, God has done this. God has blessed me. And we can give, uh, just tell people how, how much he, uh, he has done for us, how much he's, he's delivered us. And then we go and face another crisis, another. And we think, oh, no, where is God? You know, he's, he's nowhere to be seen. And we forget all, all what we've learned through, through, through the trials in the past where God has blessed us. God has been with us and he's never let us go. And so when we go through the next trial, God is going to deliver us. God is going to see us through. He is not going to give up on us. He's not going to uh, fail us this time. He's not failed us in the past, and he's not going to fail us in the future. He's not going to fail us whatever we're facing now, whatever challenges we're facing now. He will not fail us, and he's not going to fail you. He's not going to fail me. So uh, facing the, these challenges, facing these difficulties, not a sign that our, with our faith is weak. But sometimes we can be like the Israelites. We might see where God is leading us. I might wish to move forward. But we'll look at the difficulties that lie ahead and we become overwhelmed by them. We tempt it to think, well, I can't face this. I can't get through this. These challenges are too big for me. And when we think like that, then we're actually saying that the challenges, that the difficulties are too big for God. As we said, there's nothing wrong in seeing the challenges that lie ahead. Even sometimes you're feeling a bit scared or, or intimidated. But when we do that, we need to, to do our strength in God. David in the Old Testament, he was one of God, God's people in the Old Testament. That's in the Bible. He was a great leader, a great king. But he went through some real challenges. Uh, difficult times with, with, with his enemies who were against him. At one time, the enemies were against him. And then his own people turned against him, and his own people wanted to, to stone him and to kill him because things weren't going well. And it says that David, um, he, he, was, he was discouraged, and, he, 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 was, uh, and he, he was struggling with it. But then it says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says that David he found strength in the Lord his God. And we too, when we go through hard times, can find strength in the Lord our God. We can find strength in Jesus. So when, we, when we're going through the, the, the difficult times, when we, when we see the, uh, the giants around the corner, when, then take hold of that, that promise. We can find our strength in, in the Lord our God. We can find our strength in Jesus who doesn't let us down. The ten saw how good the land that God had given them was, but they were too afraid to move forward. That's so sad, isn't it? Being too afraid to take hold of what God had given them. You know, nothing could, could stop them from taking it. If they'd have, if they'd have followed uh, what God had said, nothing. And no one could have, could have stopped them from, from possessing what God had given them. Because when God says something, then, then that is it. You, you cannot argue against that. But they looked at the problems. They didn't believe that God could keep his promises. That's what happens when we focus on the problems around us. When we, when we focus on, on the difficulties rather than fixing our eyes on Jesus, then they start to, to drag us down. We start to sting. That's what happened to Peter. Peter walked on the water. Uh, they were in a storm in the boat. Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus, uh, along with the disciples, were in a great storm. And then they saw Jesus suddenly walking on the water. And uh, Peter says, well, if that's you, Lord, he says, tell me to come to you and I will come to you. And to, to his credit, Peter was the only one who had the faith to, to believe that. Peter was the only one of the 12 who had the faith to, to say to Jesus, I, uh, I, I believe that I, if you tell me, I can walk on the water. So, 
you know, let's not be, um, let's not condemn Peter, because when he, he walked on the water, because Jesus told him to, but then he got distracted. He, he, he suddenly realised what he was doing in a sense, and he saw the, the storm. He saw the, uh, the waves around him, and he saw uh, where he was. And he took his eyes off Jesus, and then he, he sunk. He started to sink in the water, and he cried out to Jesus, "Lord, Lord, save me! Lord, deliver me!" And Jesus delivered him. But that's why he sunk because he took his eyes away from God. He took his eyes off Jesus, and he started to look at the at the problems that there were around him. He took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the storm. And by looking at the problems, the Israelites lost out on God's blessing for them. As a result, God made a vow to them. When they said, we're not going to take this land, uh, the, uh, the Israelites they listened to the, to the ten and they said, we're not going to go and forward and take this land. Even though God had promised it to them, even though God had said, you can take this land, this is yours. They said, we're not going to do it. The problems are too much. The giants are too big. The, the difficulties are too hard. And so we're going to stay where we are. In fact, they started to long to, to go back to the old life in Egypt where there were slaves. And so they said, we're not going to take this land. That is the decision that we made. And so because they said that, God made a vow to them. And he said that none of the people, none of that generation of the people who were 20 years old and above would enter that land. Only Joshua and Caleb would had the faith to believe that, that God would keep it all of his promises. And that's really sad that, uh, that they, they missed out on what God had got for them. Something that no one could have stopped them from obtaining. But yet they missed out on what God had got. They missed out on God's plan for them. Faith has been defined in, in the Christian sense as believing God. I think that's, it's a simple definition, definition, but it's, it's a good definition. Simply believing God. Faith is believing God. It's taking God at his word. When God says something, then that's it. That's enough to know that it, it's true. Sometimes God doesn't show us everything that we'd like to see. We'd like to see a bigger picture. We'd like to see just how it's going to work out. He doesn't usually show us that. In fact, very rarely will he, will he do that. We might see, um, have a vision for what the end result is going to be. We might have it, but we'll not see uh, how, we, how we're going to get there. We'll not see, he'll, he'll show it to us one step at a time. Sometimes he might give us a clearer vision, but what we need to do, whatever uh, God uh, shows us, is go forward in the light that he gives us. Whatever, however much light he gives us, however much he shows us, go forward and trust in that. What faith isn't, however, is doing our own thing and asking God to then bless it. Sometimes we act like that. We, we do our own thing, we do what we want to do, and then we say, God bless this. I've got the faith to believe that you're going to bless this, God. That's, that's not faith, actually. That's just being, being presumptuous, you know, we're just doing our own thing, just doing what we want, and then... We can use the name of Jesus a bit like a magic uh, word, but it's, it's not. That's, that's been, it's been disrespectful when we, act, when we act that, when we just do our own thing, but expect God, expect Jesus to just bless it when we are not doing his will, when we disobeying what he's actually said, when we're disobeying the way that he's told us to, to, to live and what he's told us to do. It's illustrated by what the Israelites did next. Because when they realize that they've made a big mistake, have you ever made a big mistake and you thought, why did I do that? I once, I once wrote an email and instead of sending it to, to the person I intended it to, I sent it to, to everybody in my uh, address book and, and I pressed send and I thought, what have I done? What have I done? And I read through the email and I thought, what have I put in that? You know, I'm thinking, you know, thinking, have I put anything in it incriminating? For, <laughs> Fortunately, there was nothing, uh, nothing too bad, but it still wants everybody to read you know, what, you know, what, what you've read. And as soon as you've done it, as soon as you press send, and you think, I, can't, I, I wish I could take it back, I wish I could change it, but you can't. You, once it's sent, it's sent. You, you've, you, you can't do anything about it. And the Israelites, they realized that they'd, they'd made a mistake that they should have taken hold of the land. They should have listened to God. They should have taken hold of what God had given them. 
And so they decided, well, we're going to do it now. We're going to go forward and take this land. God has promised the land to us. But God had already said, he'd made the promise, he'd made the vow, that none of this generation is going to take hold over the land except Joshua and Caleb. And so they were, take, they were taking hold of it. They were doing their own thing, and they were expecting God to bless it. You know, but God wasn't going to bless what they did, and, and they failed. They didn't take hold of the land, because by this time, they were, they were too late. Sometimes, faith can, uh, sometimes disobedience can have consequences. Even as, even as Christians, even as people who are under, under grace, we've got grace and we're under the grace of God, but still, if we are disobedient, then there can be consequences to it. We can, um, the, uh, the, the, the Israelites, they did their own thing and they wanted God to bless it, but they didn't take hold of it. God said to them, you're not going to take hold of that land. And for 40 years, the Israelites uh, wandered about in the desert. They weren't walking by faith. There's some things that we, we can be sure are God's will. And uh, some things God, God shows to us. And so if it, when he reveals his will to us, then we need to take hold of that. We need to follow him. And we need to uh, be obedient in that. It says in, uh, in John, uh, 1 John, uh, John says these words. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. So John says, if we ask anything according to his will, then we have the confidence that he hears us. That is a, a great promise, uh, that, that anything that we ask in his will. Some things we know are in God's will. We know that... Uh, that God wants the name of Jesus to be glorified. He wants the name of Jesus to be lifted high. If we're going to do that, we, we know it, uh, we want a, a winner to start with. He knows that, he, he knows that we know that Jesus wants, to, want, he wants Jesus to be glorified. We know that uh, Jesus gave the, the command to go into all the world and, and preach the gospel. We know that we, we want a winner with that. And we can go forward and, and, and believe and trust that if we do that, then we're going to see through for, for doing that and for being obedient to him. Um, there are ways of doing that. There are, are ways in which we need to uh, work out what the best way of doing that is. But if we're going to uh, follow that, then we're on to a winner. If we ask anything in God's will, we can have confidence that he will hear it and that he will do what he said. Sometimes we don't know what, uh, if what we're doing is in God's will. or not. If, 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 what we ask, if what we're praying for is in God's will. If that's the case, then just keep on until it tells us one way or another. Keep on praying. Keep on trusting. But the Israelites, they didn't walk in faith when they tried to take the land that God had once promised to them. He'd now vowed that they were not going to take possession of this land. And so they weren't walking in faith. They were actually walking in disobedience. And it had its consequences because they didn't take hold of the land and they had to walk about in, in the desert for 40 years. However, you know, sometimes we think that they just wandered aimlessly for 40 years. But, you know, the good news is, although they were in, in, the, in the wilderness, going about the, in the desert for 40 years, God had not actually given up on them. And that, that is the good news. You, know, they might, you, might have, you might look to your past and think, if only I could change that, if only I could do something about that. And, and often, we can't, do, we can't do that. We can't change what we did in the past, and we'd like to change it. But, and it might even have consequences that, we, that we're having to deal with. But the good news is that when we trust in Jesus, when we have our faith in him, then God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't say, that's it, I, I've had enough of you. God receives us again and again, and he restores us again and again. This is what it says in, uh, in, in Deuteronomy, when it look, looking back towards the end of the, those 40 years, looking back, they've been in the desert, they've been wandering about in the wilderness because of, or because of 
refused to take the land. But it says, the Lord, your God, has blessed you in all the works of your hands. He has watched over your journey throughout this vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord, your God, has been with you and you have not lacked anything. So here we've got these people, because of what they did, they didn't take hold of the land. But yet God doesn't give up on them. God says, well, Moses looks back and he says, the Lord has blessed you. All this time, all these 40 years, they are blessed, so they are still a blessed people. You know, so just because um, we've got things in our past, just because even things uh, have got consequences, it doesn't mean that God cannot bless us. God still blesses us. God is so rich in his grace, is so rich in his mercy, is so rich in his compassion that he still blesses us, even when we've got it wrong, even when we fail him, even when we're facing uh, consequences for doing things, God still blesses us. God still walks with us, and he, and he led the people, he led them throughout those 40 years. He didn't abandon them to do their own thing, and they didn't lack anything. God provided for them all that time. He provided for their needs, and that is a testimony to God's faithfulness. He didn't abandon them. He didn't give up on them. When we're disobedient as Christians, yes, there might be consequences, but that doesn't mean that God will give up on us. God will not uh, abandon us to, to our mistakes. And I'm so glad about that. You know, if, if, if God abandoned me to my mistakes, then I'd have, I'd have had it a long time ago because I've made a, I've made a lot of them. Um, what does it mean for us then at Hope House Church? What does all this mean for us? When the Israelites eventually did go forward and take the ground that God had given to them, this was after these 40 years, this was under the leadership now of Joshua. Joshua had taken over from Moses. And Joshua and Caleb were the only ones uh, over, over 20 years old who would, who, would take, who would enter that land. As I went to take over that land, we read in Joshua chapter 1, um, the four times that God tells his people to be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous is what he would tell them. And he would keep on saying it. Why does he say that? Why does he say that so many times? Just before they're going to take hold of the land. Well, as we've been hearing, we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared and, and ready for what is ahead of us. We need to be prepared. And he, God was preparing them. He says, you need to be strong. You need to be courageous. Why was he saying that? Because, yes, there were still going to be challenges ahead of them. There were things ahead of them in which it was going to be hard. It's going to be challenges, and it, it might be fearful. But he says, be strong and be courageous. God has put us here in Barnsley. And we've got the job of making known the name of Jesus in this town. That is, uh, that is something we can be sure of. Whatever else we don't know... That is God's work to us today. We are, we are to make the name of Jesus known in this town. Will it be easy? No. Will there be challenges? I'm sure there will be. And will there be giants around the corner? Very probably. You know, things that we, we don't expect. You know, things that in the year ahead, in the, in the five years ahead, there'll be things that we never expected to happen. Uh, it's happened in, in the past, in the past year, in the past five years, you know, when we look back, things have, have happened which we didn't expect to happen and challenges have happened, but through it all, God has been faithful and we can have that, that assurance. And so, yeah, there's going to be challenges ahead. There's going to be difficulties ahead. There's going to be giants that seem to come against us at times. But you know what? God is faithful. The word of God to us, as it says up there, as it's as God gave it um, to, to, to the people as we're going to enter the land is be strong and courageous. That's what it says in Joshua 1 verse 6. And in case we didn't hear him, he says it again. He says, be strong and very courageous. And because we've got short memories, it reminds us again. He says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? He says in Joshua 1 verse 9. And just in case we didn't catch it, he says it again, only be strong and courageous. Joshua 1 verse 18. So you know what? If there's only one thing you remember this morning, it's be strong and courageous. Because when, what we've got ahead of us as, as a church, as people, we're going to have challenges, we're going to have, have difficulties, and we need to be strong, we need to be courageous. That's not drawing from our own strength. 
But it's as David did, he found his strength in the Lord. We've got our strength in Jesus. Jesus is bigger than the problems that we face. And Jesus can equip us. If the band want to make their way back, please. It's amazing to know that we have got a God who is bigger than all the problems that we face. Whatever uh, he gives us to do, God will equip us. That is good news, isn't it? So we're going to face challenges and we're going to face difficulties. We might, be, we might be going through trials right now. We might be going through a hard time and we might be thinking, how am I going to get through this? Well, draw your strength on the Lord. It's, it's can sound like a cliche, but really, you know, we need to remember that, that Jesus can, can equip us. Sometimes we need to um, tell others and just have the support of other people as well. People who can encourage us in God, encourage us in the Lord. And so if, if that is the case and you might need prayer from, from other people, just tell somebody, speak to somebody. Sometimes we need to be the ones who just give a word to somebody else and just encourage somebody else who might be going through a hard time. Just encourage one another, spur one another on and, and help one another to... to when we, when, when we have trouble just finding that courage, drawing that strength from, from God, just ask somebody else to pray with you and just to, to encourage you to do that. And be the same for others. When, when they're struggling, when, when you're seeing somebody and they're, they're finding it hard to, to see how God is in that situation and they find it hard to, to believe that God can see them through it, then be the one just to, just to pray with them and just to encourage them and to say, you know, God is going to be with you. He's going to pull you through. He's going to be with you. We can be strong and we can be courageous for God is bigger, much bigger than any other problems that we face. So we need to encourage one another. We need to help one another. God wants us to take the ground ahead of us in his name. There's ground to be taken. There's challenges to be faced, but there's victories to be won in him. And that is, that is brilliant, isn't it? That there's victories through Jesus. Because our strength it doesn't come from, from us, it doesn't come from our own strength, but it comes from uh, the Lord. You know, the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is alive and is living in us who are believers. That, that is so amazing, isn't it? And when we say the words and we say it, and it, it just rolls off his tongue sometimes, and we, and we don't realize how amazing that is that the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus, who raised the Son of God to life, lives in us and dwells in us that's not, that's not when you only when you feel like it. that's not only when you're on the mountain top that's that's when you're in the valley that's when you're feeling discouraged that's when you're feeling as though it, it's things are hard and you can't go on the same holy spirit is still living inside you and he's got the power to to equip you and to strengthen you and so if we've got that uh, that that amazing news that amazing good news then in him we certainly can be strong and we can be courageous. I was made for 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that through it all, from the beginning to the end, we can trust you. You are the one we can trust. We can trust you. We can trust you when everything's going really well, that whatever happens, you'll be there with us. We can trust you when when we see giants in front of us, that we will overcome those giants because you are with us. Lord, we can trust you that on the occasions when we're stupid, willful, childish idiots. And we say, no, no, we can't do that. You are still with us. You don't leave us and you don't forsake us. You are with us and you are with us all the time. Because like we said earlier, you are our good, good Father. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Thank you, Lord, that that's true as well. That what Colin said right at the end, that the the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living within us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are with us and you never forsake us. Lord, this week, this day, this week, help us to be strong and courageous. Help us to remember those words. To remember those words that Colin reminded us of, that God reminds us of again and again and again. Be strong and courageous. And I will never leave you to the end of the world. Amen. Well, I was, to be truthful, I was just expecting you to stop. But yeah, just to go back into it, it's no longer I who live. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Christ who lives within me From beginning to the end You deserve the glory You deserve the glory It's no longer I who live 
But Christ who lives within me, Christ who lives within me. God, isn't our God fantastic? Uh, that's it, that's all for our sung worship, our notice worship, our preach worship. Now we're going to do some of that fellowship worship. There's teas and coffees in the back. If you're new to us,